So if someone comes along and goes, hey, got a glass of water, what are you going to give me? It's like, um, thumbs up maybe? Like, great. <laughs> that's, um, a, that's a different finger than I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Well Shit. It really is that simple. I'm Claire. And I'm Serena. On this podcast, we help you to understand about your 12 universal needs, why they are currently not being well met, how to meet them in ways that work for you, and how to consistently do so in quick, easy, and simple ways that fit seamlessly into your life. We'll also help you to understand how doing so will have a positive ripple effect in literally every area of your life. If you like what you hear, sign up for more support with meeting your needs with your weekly Universal Needs Notes at theuniversalneeds.com. And enjoy the show. Hello, hello, hello. Hey, everyone. I'm really excited today. Why are you excited Because we're getting a night out tonight. We are. Like, it, like a proper... Like a proper night fun out. Fun night out. And one that hopefully we still have some hours left. The last time that we were super excited for our night out, we actually ended up doing an episode the next day, or the next time that we got together. Recorded, yeah. Because... We didn't. We didn't because we were meeting our needs. So, Absolutely. Um, but yeah, I'm excited too. It's, like, it's, it's been a bit. It's been a while. And also, I know that like we both really enjoy the band that we're going to mm-hmm. see tonight. And I know you haven't seen them that much. It's... It, wow. Time. Like time is such a, a such a weird concept because I'm like, what? Well, we saw them. Oh, like how many months ago? Months ago, <laughs> shit. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. it's amazing, amazing. Mm-hmm. Adulting, just adulting. All of a sudden, it's like, woo. Yeah, where did that go? Yeah, I can't believe. I mean, I'm I'm going on vacation in two days. That's exciting. I'm super excited. Like, I feel like I'm kind of getting into the mood with like my little tropical dress right now. Like, I feel like I'm like, I'm in, I'm in vacation mode already. The vibe. But before that, don't worry. We are going to complete our people pleasing series of podcasts. And today we are, um, we this uh, podcast was inspired by a quote. I think it was actually a quote that you saw online, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and the quote is, "That's the problem with putting others first. You yourself taught them that you come second. I'm going to say that again. That's the problem with putting others first. You yourself taught them that you come second. And I think that's by Ranjini Banerjee. I'm going to put the, the quote and the, um, uh, the credit in the show notes. Um, yeah. There's actually a little tweak to that, though. Oh, go ahead. Because what that quote is said... Is not just that you've taught them that you've come first or that they come first and you've come second. You've actually, what you're saying is you've taught them that they come first and you come second. And you've kind of taught yourself that in the same. Yeah. Well, the interesting thing is, and I'm going to, I'm going to, we're just going to end up adding to this quote the entire podcast. (laughs) That's basically all we're doing. I'm joking. That's not what we're going to do today. But, um. Yes. The challenge with this is, is that what the reason, the root of this, the reason this happens is because you have been taught originally that you come second. So what's happened is either through childhood, either through the traumas we've experienced or through the traumas we've experienced, experienced in adulthood, we have been taught often by others that we come second. 
And then what happens is that we start operating from that place of others come first and I come second, which means that other people that come along that hadn't had that memo in the first place, they then get taught by you that they come first and you come second. And you then reinforce that belief that they come first and you come second. And thus is born the people pleaser. <laughs> and but thus is born the people pleaser. Or thus, thus continues the people pleaser. Because mm-hmm. the people pleaser was really born in episode one. And this is like the, the perpetuation of the people pleaser. Wow, perpetuation of the people pleaser. My goodness. How many peas can I get into one sentence? Peter Pepper picked a pick of pickle peppers. Yeah, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I don't, that's, that's not going to work well for me. Um, but yeah, it, it really is. It's like this is how it can. This is how it gets established. This is how it gets deepened, and this is how it gets sustained. So that this then permeates through almost all of your relationships because what you were taught originally, you then act from and you acting from it then teaches other people. Well, oh, that's how it works with this person. And I can't tell you the number of um relationships that I have been in um friendships and intimate relationships where I and again we, we've talked about this in episodes one and two a lot of this tends to come back to our value need it's like we don't feel worthy of coming first and also the conditioning in our society is that to put yourself first is selfish which we know from episode two the wisdom of Joe Tribbiani that that is not true it's actually depending on how you are approaching it, it doesn't necessarily need to be selfish. It could be self-first. And if it's self-first, that's an entirely different thing. So first is we would get taught societally that it's not good to put yourself first. And then what ends up happening is that we, we normally do this because we don't believe we're worthy of being put first. So our value need is the one that is kind of pulling the strings, if you like, of this behavior. And I can't tell you the number of these relationships I've had where I don't feel, this is in my early adulthood, where it's like, I don't feel worthy of a healthy relationship. I don't feel worthy of being loved. I don't feel worthy of being prioritized. I don't feel feel worthy of being prioritized by this person. So what I do is I act like they are the priority. Like I have to convince them to be in friendship with me. I have to convince them to be in relationship with me. And by doing that, What I'm doing is I'm setting up this dynamic where their needs, their comfort, their security, their emotions are prioritized and mine are deprioritized. And this then sets up this dynamic that once you've set that up at the beginning is very, very hard to shift because you teach people how to do relationship with you by how you do relationship with them. And i.e. if you allow behaviors that are not okay, if you don't set boundaries or walk away, that that gets internalized by them. It's like, well, this is obviously the way to do this. This is fine. The good news is, is that it doesn't have to be this way because you can teach other people how to do relationship with you from another perspective. So you can teach everybody that you will do things in a self-first way. That is how you do relationship. Um, but the challenge is, as Serena said, the people pleaser, when you don't have your when you don't have your needs well met and you don't know how to meet these needs for yourself, it's very difficult to take it, take that um, that self-first approach to meeting needs. And it's very easy to kind of get sucked into these dynamics where actually we're making everybody else a priority and we're not second, we're not third, we are last on the list. Because if you make everybody the priority and you've got say 30 people in your friends, even if you've got 10 people in your friends, like in, or you've got five people, 
you're still coming sixth on the list then. Um, if you've got two people in your life, you're going to come third on the list. If you have 10 people in your life, you're going to come 11th on the list. You're going to come last. And that's the thing is that this this saying that that by te- by putting others first, you've taught them that you come second. The problem is when you do this with everybody, you don't teach them that you come second. You teach them that you come last. Mm-hmm. And that then further erodes your value needs because you feel less worthy because your needs are coming last, which means that you feel that you have to prove yourself to be in relationship with them, which means you do more people-pleasing stuff, which means you come last even more, which reaffirms that position, and so on and so forth and so on and so forth. A lot of times we get caught in the conditioning of things such as this, Mm -hmm. and it's like, well, for so I've been a people pleaser for so long, and it almost becomes like that's what's expected of me. What happens if I set a boundary now? If I'm not people pleasing, and I want to remind everybody, you can start right in this moment mm-hmm. to change right the dynamic right, right now. now. You yeah. do little things that will start changing this and making it so that you are the priority in your life, and doing it from a self first way where yeah. you're not compromising others but you are prioritizing yourself and what you need. Absolutely. And actually what's really interesting is that one of the things that makes this dynamic very hard to shift is that a lot of people take this on as their identity. So we've talked about these levels of change before about how you've got behavior and then you've got beliefs and then you've got values and then you've got um, then you've got identity. When something is at the identity level, that's who I am. It's really difficult to change who I am. It's a little, a little easier to change what my values are. It's a little easier to change my beliefs and it's a little easier still to change the behavior. So if you focus on this as being a behavior thing, it's much easier to shift than if it's an identity thing. Here's the problem, here's the rub, is that most people are trying to get their needs met by having an identity of being a people pleaser. There's a there's a hand going up. Is that yes? That's me, or is that I want to add something? Uh, that was a that was me, and eventually I'll add something about that. <laughs> but I, that I mean, we in the last couple of episodes, you see that I still struggle with putting an identity on some of the behaviors and people pleasing. I was a proud people pleaser. Yeah, like we talked about. Um, you were saying with uh, leading with credentials. Mm. I would lead with that I was a people pleaser. We're going to get into that in a minute, but yeah. I couldn't help but call myself like, out oh, on oh, that. Me, like, me, me. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. True story. <laughs> and, and the thing about it is, so what, what happens is, is that what we do is we take on this identity and we don't necessarily call it a people pleaser because especially in this day and age, like now where we are right now, people pleaser, people have realized that's not, not necessarily a positive mm-hmm. thing. This is not necessarily a helpful thing. It's not ever a supportive thing, the truth of it. But but the, there's this kind of understanding that, well, maybe it's not what it was. Mm-hmm. Um, but instead what it is, it's like, I'm somebody who puts everybody else first. I'm such a selfless person. If you really think you're a selfless, person go back and listen to episode two the wisdom of joey tribbiani Uh, we got some news for you unfortunately that's not a very constructive way of meeting your needs because you're not actually really making it about the other people it's it's a hidden strategy for getting your own needs met but it is something that so many people take pride in it's like i am a selfless person I will give you all I have and not worry about what I need. Or getting anything in return. Yeah. And it's like, what we're doing in that is we are trying to see ourselves as valuable because that is perceived as valuable in our societal conditioning. Well, it is valuable to the person that you're uh, <laughs> you're doing it for. And it's also underrooting or undermining their needs, their needs so in the process of doing it's it. It's so. perceived as valuable. 
But in reality, it's compromising everybody's needs. This is not a healthy way or no, it's not a constructive and supportive way of anybody getting their needs met. And so, but the, the challenge is, is that by having that identity of like, I am a good person, I'm a selfless person, I put everybody else first. What we're trying to do in that is we're trying to see ourselves as a valuable person. We're trying to prove ourselves as valuable to everybody else. We're trying to get other people to see us as a valuable person. And that's part of the challenge is that this this identity becomes really hard to give up because it is something we are using as a strategy to try to get some of our needs met, even though it is compromising way more needs than it is ever meeting. And in actual fact, it's probably masking needs, not really meeting them. But we'll get onto that uh, in another podcast. So the challenge is, as I said, once somebody's at an identity level, if it's like, this is who I am, it's really difficult to believe that you can easily change who you are. Like you might be able to change the things that you do, but changing who you are, that seems like a big task. And it is because we have this this attachment to our identity that means that once something is at an identity level, that shit sticks. Like it's like, oh, that's who I am and that's who I've always been and it's who I will always be. Not true, but that's how we relate to it. Especially when it's perceived as a good thing. Because for so long, being a people pleaser was an attractive quality, something that Mm. like, it's so weird to say it now, especially coming, having been on the other side of that coin. But like, when you think that it's the good thing in you, that Mm -hmm. it's what you're doing right, it's even harder to let go of, even if you find out that it isn't the best thing for you and that right. maybe it isn't serving you as much as you thought it was well it's it's like i mean and a lot of the time uh, people pleasers are actually perceived as quote unquote nice people mm-hmm. now nice is actually not a very constructive and supportive thing to be contrary to popular belief unpopular opinion i realize that i'm sharing this right now but being nice normally means not being willing to make other people uncomfortable, not being willing to set boundaries, not being willing to say no. Nice is normally prioritizing the comfort of some people to the detriment of others. Now that might be you're doing prioritizing somebody to the detriment of yourself because you're going to be nice to them. You're going to give them what they need at the cost of what you need. It could be that in the context, for example, of like a social justice um, situation dynamic, nice, quote on nice, often is not being willing to address directly the harm being done and therefore make it right and shift it in the direction it needs to be done and actually make create some um, some support and healing for the person who's been impacted. Nice is really not something we need to be ever aiming for. In fact, nice we need to be doing away from. Doing away from, doing away with. Yeah, both of them. Either way. Just- Go get away. rid of it. Get rid of it. That's what I said. Just be done. Be gone, as, uh, as, uh, as I would say. The thing about it is, is there's a big difference between being nice and being kind. Now, you can be kind. Kindness often is about doing the right thing, not always the nice or comfortable thing. So, for example... Do the I, right thing, not the nice thing. Exactly. Like, for me, I'm like, I, am, I consider myself a very kind person. You can kindly say no. <laughs> I can kindly say no. I can, with respect, I am, I, I care about somebody like Serena, for example. I care about Serena. You do? I, oh shit, did I not tell you? <laughs> Damn it. I knew there was something on my to-do list I'd forgotten. Um, Check. <laughs> ding. So, I care about Serena. And because of that, I'm going to be kind to her. And being kind includes 
calling her out mm-hmm. on her bullshit because I know she wants to be a better person than that. Mm-hmm. That that is not in alignment with who she is as a human being. And my bullshit doesn't meet my needs. Uh-uh, not at all. Being kind is supporting her and meeting her needs. Supporting her and meeting her needs is including pointing out when she's being inequitable, pointing out when the interconnectedness means that she's impacting somebody else and it's therefore negatively impacting her needs. All of this is being kind. A nice person wouldn't do any of these things because nice is this facade. Nice is the, I'm not going to tell what's really going on. I'm going to do what is comfortable for everybody else, AKA people pleaser. And so what happens is that when we're in that space, of being quote unquote nice or this people pleasing thing is that we end up prioritizing everybody else and putting ourselves at the bottom of the list. And so often we are using this. So what we wanna do is, as I said, when we're, we're doing this at the identity level, it's harder to shift. So the first thing we need to do is we need to figure out what needs we are trying to meet by having that identity. We need to be taking care of those needs as a priority because we want to be able to release this attachment to this identity that is compromising other needs. That's the first thing we do. The second thing we do is once we're in that place and as we're moving into that place, it might not necessarily be comfortable, but as we're supporting those needs, it's going to be easier to shift, is that we want to start looking at this as not something that's who we are, it's something that we have done. It's something that we sometimes do. Now notice, I didn't say this is something that we do. I said, this is something that we have done in the past. This is something that we sometimes do. Because again, once we put it in the, if we we say, this is what I do, it makes it sound like that's all you do. And once you say that in that terms, it makes it harder. Like like our our brains are very good at listening to what we're saying and believing that they're true, believing it's true, like word for word. It's an absolute of sorts. Yeah, absolutely, exactly. Um, Absolutely, it is. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And so what we want to do is by saying this is something I've done in the past, it makes it easier because the the just because it's something we've done in the past doesn't mean to say we're going to do it in the future. The past could be a minute ago. Exactly. And the future could be something different. So by framing it like that, by using that kind of language, it makes it easier to shift. The other thing is by saying it's something we sometimes do or something I sometimes do, it often it gives space for the fact that there are sometimes when that's not what you're doing. So again, it leaves space for this kind of starting to create more behaviors and more patterns and habits around not doing this because we need to recognize this is compromising our needs. When we do this, we are compromising our value need. And it's not to say, and we, as we talked about in the last episode, sometimes it can be this this pendulum effect can happen where it's like, I'm last on my list and everybody else comes first. Where it can be like, whoop, I'm gonna go to the other end. Like, I am first on the list and nobody else matters. That's not healthy as well, because what you're gonna do in that is you're gonna then likely to do things that are gonna negatively compromise other people's needs. And by doing that because of the interconnectedness, you're gonna compromise your needs as well. We don't wanna be doing that extreme either. What we wanna do is get to that point where it's like, my needs are a priority and I need to be taking care of those first and foremost. At the minimum in ways that do not harm others. And if sometimes I do it in ways that benefit others, even better, like that, that's something like there's a bonus to be added to it. So what we wanna do is we want to start shifting into from this identity piece into the behavior piece. And then what we want to start doing is looking at how can we be more self first in what we are doing. As with all of the people pleasing behaviors, the first and most important step 
is starting to take care of consistently meeting your own needs. Because part of this people pleasing and putting other people's first is because we believe we need them to get our needs met. Subconsciously, it's not like, a, oh God, I must keep these people happy because they're going to meet my needs. Just subconsciously, it's that whole, okay, I need these people around because for some reason it doesn't feel a, good, feel a good idea to let go of them. And that the reason it doesn't feel like a good idea to get rid of them is because subconsciously they're meeting a lot of your needs. So by meeting your needs first and foremost, you are going to be in a position where you are able to start to shift this dynamic. The other thing that you're going to want to do is to explain, especially if you've been in a dynamic with somebody where you have put them first over and over and over again. You've taught them that that's the rules of your relationship, that that's the, the, the them, them's the rules of the game kind of thing, because that's how you've engaged with them. You can have empathy for the fact that it might be confusing for them that things are changing. You can have empathy for the fact that actually they might not be entirely happy about it because you've been meeting a lot of their needs and they probably don't know how to meet their needs either. And still articulate how things are shifting while doing it with compassion for where you're going. Like, I understand this is not how I've done things in the past, but I've realized that how I've been doing things has been really unhealthy for me, really unsupportive for me. And I need to start doing things differently so that I can show up as the friend slash partner slash um, family member slash whoever slash worker that I really want to be. So these are this is one of the things that I'm going to start doing. And there, there's probably going to be more of these things. And we'll talk about it as we go through them. Now, it's really important to go back and listen to the Self First series, I think episode number two, where we talk about the difference between doing harm and compromising somebody else's needs. Because when you've been meeting somebody else's needs for a long time, and all of a sudden you stop, it's very easy for everyone involved to be like, oh, I'm harming them in some way. Oh, you've harmed me because you're not doing the thing you've always done. In reality, it was never your responsibility in the first place. And it's important to get clear on that in order that you can start to make these choices that are going to be self-first and are going to be supportive of the things that you want to be doing going forward. It's interesting too when you stop people-pleasing as a general rule or identity or behavior. The, the behavior, the constant, that you find the people who stay mm -hmm. are the people that you're more aligned with and that yes. the people that all of a sudden that you were people pleasing that you were you know utilizing this people pleasing towards like sometimes they'll end up you know either pulling away a little bit sometimes they'll disappear off the radar and you realize once they're gone you're like oh you were never good for me anyway yeah <laughs> like whether it's a work situation a friendship it's it's scary thinking, wait, I may lose this person. I may lose um, this perception of meeting my needs or getting my needs met that you may not even be aware of. Which that's is why it's it really is. important to learn how to meet your needs as a priority as you start doing this. Yes. Um, it's it's releasing and it's freeing. It's liberating. And it's, yeah. It is. And it's like all of a sudden it gets really easy when you have the people around you that you don't have to please, that want you to prioritize yourself, mm -hmm. that are supportive of this way and how like icky it feels when mm -hmm. somebody isn't supporting you because you realize like you're not asking for anything unreasonable when you're putting yourself first in a self-first way. Yeah. And that people-pleasing is actually a detrimental thing that you're doing for yourself and others. Mm -hmm. So it's, I, I can like feel within me right now that moment of when I really actively <sighs> stopped people-pleasing mm -hmm. and was like, oh. Oh. oh, wait, you don't want me around anymore because I'm not just doing what 
is you best for you. Do, even though it was well, compromising me. Well, you didn't me. really give a shit, did mm-hmm. you? You, you, there was this illusion of a mutually reciprocal relationship. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what often happens is that these dynamics create this illusion. And it it is tough, especially when you've been in relationships for a long period of time to start to shift these dynamics. And uh, it's really important to say also that as those relationships transition out, it's very easy as we're talking about it to sound like, to seem like, oh, well, it's fine. Like you've gone. Like that's not how it works. It's still okay to grieve for the relationship that you had or the relationship that you might've had or the relationship you wish it had been. It's okay to like, you're still going to process that person leaving your, uh, your orbits. Um, go back and listen to the, um, there was a, a episode we did about I can't remember which episode it was. We talk about the relationship orbits in one of the episodes. I will put the the link in the show notes. Um, it's very easy to be like, oh yes, no, I'm fine. I'm meeting my needs now. Bye. Um, and it's like mm, that's it, not quite how it works. Yeah, it's definitely not that quick. <laughs> it's, and it's not that simple because we have to process mm-hmm. it. This person has been a big part of our life, even if they haven't been supportive, even if it, having them in my, our lives haven't been uh, constructive or it, they've just not been in alignment anymore. That doesn't mean to say that you're like, bah, see ya, mm-hmm. and, I'm, and everything's fine. Like there is some grieving that takes place. And actually there's an episode that we're going to do coming up where we talk about grief as being like, people think about this grief as this thing that only happens when somebody dies or when you uh, end a relationship that we never know no coming back from ever so when it's, when it's like a permanent thing that someone's gone the truth is often we grieve anything that is change mm-hmm. because which there is an element of even if it's a small amount of that grief is us processing the loss of what we've had even if what we want is something different and it's okay to acknowledge that and process it and it doesn't always have to be all or nothing. Um, Mm -hmm. An example that I have is in the relationship with my grandmother, where for so many years it was just instilled in me as a people pleaser, Mm -hmm. because that point it was an identity thing for me. And as I started to do the work and I started to change these dynamics, I definitely changed when I was no longer people pleasing. And she felt it. I felt it. And then we got to a place where it was like, you know what? It's different. It doesn't feel as warm and fuzzy all the time because I'm not compromising myself all the time well, like I And was. it's like in one way it was feeling warm and fuzzy. In another way it felt icky. But it's like, well, I'm going to focus on the warm and fuzzy. Let's pretend the icky isn't there. I'm just going to be like, look, look, isn't it warm and fuzzy and everything's lovely and sunshine and rainbows. But not really. And then once the dynamic started to change... It almost evened out because you're right. It wasn't one or the other. It was just like. It's just different. It's just different now. And that was okay. And then we developed from that different relationship Mm -hmm. and created a a healthier relationship between the two of us. More supportive relationship. Yeah. But it did look different. And for a while it was sad. It was sad for me because I wasn't getting the reactions I normally would because I was pushing back a little bit. And And the thing about it is, is that what you were doing was you were using the illusion of what the relationship was to try to meet some of your needs. It's this like, look, it's this, isn't this great? We're so close and we're so uh, like connected and blah, 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 blah. Even though it was compromising a whole bunch of needs and it was sacrificing more than it was giving you. But the illusion of having that kind of relationship Mm -hmm. actually was, 
use, being used to meet or at least mask some of your needs. Absolutely. And now all of a sudden that's gone. And so the illusion isn't there anymore, but actually you get to feel the needs that are actually really being met through this dynamic. Maybe at a different level, maybe not as intense as the, those those um, other little hits were that you were getting from this illusion of what you were trying to convince yourself and the world the relationship was. But in actual fact, now you get to enjoy it for what it actually is and actually feel the needs being met for what they are, not for what you wish they were. Well, and it's also, I mean, once you learn how to meet your needs for yourself, anything I got from her was sprinkles at that point. Mm-hmm. I'm like, all right, well, cool. I I'm good. I don't need you to meet this need anymore. And that was part of it. First thing in, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of counteracting people pleasing is meeting your needs for yourself. Because I needed her at one point. I thought I needed her to meet my needs for me. From where you were, you did because you didn't have another way of doing it. Very true. So it was a coping strategy for having that relationship be what it was, was a coping strategy for not knowing any other way of meeting your needs. As soon as you had another way of meeting your needs, hold on a second, I don't need this anymore, which means I get to choose it and create it to be something that I can engage with without it compromising me. Look at that personal power coming up. Look at that, isn't it cool? So I think that that's, I mean, when it, when it comes to this sort of stuff, it's really important for us to recognize that, that this is not something that we have done quote unquote wrong. This is not something to blame ourselves for. This is often something, as I said, that's come from our original conditioning ourselves. And this is where we get to engage with that personal power need and choose that we would like something different, that we no longer want to come last in our lives. And we don't want to come first at the cost of other people either. We want to find a way of being resourced and fulfilled and to have emotional well-being in a way that sometimes doesn't cost other people and sometimes benefits other people. And that's actually a really cool place to be in where, like, I mean, I'm somebody who... The interesting thing is, is that when you get to this place where your needs are consistently being met in more fulfilling ways, is actually you have more to give. Mm -hmm. So I can be a far more generous person now than I could be when I was putting everybody else first. So I will still do nice things for people. I'll still give my time. I'll still give my attention. I'll still give my energy um, in a way that I wasn't actually able to before I was there but because I was low resource because my needs weren't being met or they were being masked by the relationships I was in they weren't really being met I was running on empty which means that the how I was showing up for these other people really wasn't in alignment with who I wanted to be and wasn't what I it wasn't the way I wanted to show up for my my close and intimate relationships so now you're you're giving from your overflow on your cup because you're right. constantly resourcing yourself. You're like, oh, overflow. oh, here, have all of this. I don't, I don't need this. You can have all of this rather than scraping the thimble on the bottom of the cup and be like, well, I have a, like a, a morsel of a drop left, but here's a whole thimble, thimble right. for you. Well, and it's funny because I, I, I like one of the things that one of the metaphors I often use when I'm talking about needs and especially needs within relationships. And obviously this is what we're talking about is in like how we interact with other and, and relate to other people is that um, I often talk about it like we're walking through the desert and the water is our needs. And it's like, we have been gasping. We're desperately thirsty with no way to get any water anyone around and someone comes along with a cup of water and says what will you do for this cup of water and the answer is 
anything because it is our survival at that point like it is life and death so we'll do pretty much anything to get that cup of water and that is exactly what we're doing in this people pleasing dynamic we'll do anything for anybody else because the cup of water that we've that we're giving getting from them that's something of our needs met now we know a cup of water is not going to sustain us in the desert but in the absence of anything else it's a damn it's a damn better option than than nothing Mm The thing is, is that what I then say to people is imagine, so imagine that situation, no water anywhere, you're desperately thirsty and someone comes along with a cup of water and says, what will you do for it? I said, the answer is anything. Now imagine that you have uh, one of those um, water pouch backpacks on. It's full to the brim and somehow magically, I don't know how we're doing this, but it's plugged into the mains. So you have an unlimited supply of water that you are carrying on you and somebody comes along and says what will you do for this glass of water and you'll be like uh i'm all right thanks i don't need your glass of water i mean i'm good as far as what like do you need some water it sounds like you might need some water if you've you've only got a cup and you're bartering with it like sounds like you don't have a lot of water and then what you can do is you can give water to other people without compromising yourself because you're plugged into the mains and that knowing how to meet your own needs and consistently doing it is that plugging into the mains it is that like being being plumbed in so that you always have water on you no matter what you want no matter where you are no matter what you're doing so if someone comes along and goes hey got a glass of water what are you gonna give me it's like um thumbs up maybe like great (laughs) that's Um, a different finger than i was thinking (laughs) (laughs) i mean you could go for that one as well but i'm like 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 it's like great you got a glass of water uh, I don't need a glass of water, thanks. And because I don't need it, it's like a lot of people end up bartering their glasses of water because it's like, I'm afraid this person isn't going to like me for me and isn't going to want to hang out with mm-hmm. me for me. But if I got a glass of water and they need water, then if I give them like, oh, that's the way I'm, I'll let them know I have water. And that'll be the thing that keeps them hanging around. The thing is, if you're like, actually, I don't need your water, but you seem like kind of a fun person. Like, do you want to just hang out? And they're like, wait, what? You want you're like, you want to hang out with me without my water? You don't want my water? Like, no, I'm good for water, thanks. But you want to hang out and have some fun? Like, I'm up for that. You really just kind of brought up another good point, And that is when we're talking about people pleasing, like the, the right word. I don't know, but you can always make one up. I could, <laughs> but it doesn't always make sense when I do that. Um, <laughs> People pleasing doesn't often show people, other people, what their value is either. Mm. Like, I, as you're saying that, I'm, I'm thinking of, you know, some clients that we've worked with. And it's like, there's an unknowing of whether people are there because of what they have, what they can give them, you know, like the different things yeah. that they bring to the table. Now, is this person people pleasing? Are they just saying what I want to hear to get my glass of water? Mm-hmm. Is that all they want from me? Right. So when you hear, when you're in a place where your your value needs aren't very well met and you you're, have your own value needs, but you have that water, then it's like, well, I have the water. Do they like me because of the water or do they like me right. because I'm a great person? Yeah, exactly. It's like when you see somebody as as something you see somebody for what they need and the thing about it is is that when it comes to relationships and I can say this with a a high degree of certainty having done this work for many many years need always trumps love Mm -hmm. always 
um, because your needs will subconsciously affect your decision-making processes without you even being aware of it. You won't realize that's why you're doing things. That's why you've been doing things your whole life. Yeah, and it's like, and your brain will have you convinced that you're doing it for a different reason because that's the one that aligns with your self-image, but it's not. It's the unmet needs underneath the surface that are the ones that are pulling the strengths. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You'll okay. never know it's me. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck thinking that. Yeah, okay. You can think that. That's like, we can pretend that's true. Mm -hmm. um, it's one of my favorite catchphrases. Um, it's like, it means that you will never truly know if you love somebody, if you need them or if they need you. Because if that, that dependency will create often the illusion of love or the, it will convince you that you're in love, even if you're not, mm -hmm. to try to ensure that your needs stay met. Need always trumps desire. Like you can't feel your desire for somebody if you need them because desire is something that is based on choice. It's based on, a, it's like, it's a feeling that is not, that is um, only present in the absence of need. Like, yes, you might, your, your brain and your body might convince yourself that you desire somebody, but if it's because you need them underneath the surface, that's not really desire. That's a really clever strategy to make you think that you desire somebody when actually it's all about getting your needs met. So it's only when you take the needs out of the equation that you feel you're, you're feeling desire for somebody you know is just because you desire them. Mm -hmm. It trumps choice. You want to jump in before I get into choice? Or? Yeah, I'll jump in yeah. really quickly there. I can think back like relationships over the years how many times the need trumped the desire mm -hmm. and then once you realize what that need was and luckily with the work Claire and I do can look back at a lot of situations be like I didn't even fucking like you right like never mind desire right absolutely I, I don't like you as a person but you're meeting that need at the time which was what made me think like, oh, I desire this person. No, you were meeting this need. The, bra like, the brain's like, oh, look, isn't this person attractive? Don't you like? Don't you feel attracted and desiring of this person? No, they're meeting a, me a need. But you don't know that because it's all subconscious. I look back on a lot of relationships and mm -hmm. different types of ships and yes. think I'm like, oh, I wasted so much time having you meet my needs in unaffected ways mm -hmm. and like, in having it framed as choice, and desire, absolutely, love. and it's like I have I have myself convinced that I desire. I mean, one of the big ones for me was like if somebody else desired the person that I was interested in, <laughs> that would like I'd be like, oh, I meant to desire. Oh, okay, they're attractive. Okay, like I like genuinely, I didn't like again. There was a there was part of me that kind of knew, but that side of like that it it kept it was kept hidden from myself because if i knew that then that would get in the way of me doing what i needed to do in order to get my needs met which was to be with this person short term um but i remember very vividly one of my past relationships somebody very close to me was like oh he's hot and i'm like is he like i didn't say that out loud but i remember thinking it being like oh, I guess if you like that kind of thing. And it wasn't that he was unattractive. He just wasn't attractive to me. Mm -hmm. I didn't find him attractive, mainly because he had a personality that had abusive tendencies. And I think energetically I was aware of that. And I'm somebody, attractiveness and desire is not about physicality for me. It is about your energy. It's about how you show up as a human being. It's about how we interact energetically and emotionally with each other. That's the thing that is make, makes you desirable to me. So you could come in pretty much any package and that's the thing that I feel desirable about. Some of the grossest packages have the prettiest wrapping. Right? 
And that's exactly what was going on in this situation. But because somebody else was like, oh, he's hot. And I'm like, oh, well, maybe, yeah, yeah, he's hot. Yeah, he's he's cute. Yeah, oh, awesome. Yeah, I really find him attractive. I'm really, if I'm desiring him, ish. Like, no, like that was, but because my needs were unmet, I was used, that was like, my brain got to jump on that train and go, oh yeah, desire, great, we got it. Okay, yes, we desire him, go get it, get your needs met. Like, and subconsciously the needs are underneath going, ha ha ha, gotcha. And that's like a double, double whammy value need right there because you're also, in a sense, pleasing the person who has brought this up to you in agreement when you're like, I don't, I mean. Not really. (laughs) Yeah, and Claire and I will be out and it'll be like, oh, no, not your type. Like, yeah. and it's. Okay. And the funny thing is, is that so often, like, even when if we're out, like, we don't know our type. Like, Serena, like, she couldn't put, pull my type out of a bar because if you're just looking at the physicality without interacting with somebody and without seeing what the energetic interaction is, she's not going to know whether somebody's my type. I wouldn't know if somebody was my mm-hmm. type because it's not based on their physicality. Yeah, and that's. I mean, it's kind of funny. That's how my husband and I are. People are like. I don't get you. I'm like, it's not for you to get. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's like, like, I mean, Serena and her husband is the weirdest, most wonderful <laughs> relationship in the sense it's like, you look at it from the outside and you're like, how the hell does that? And then when you look at it from the inside, you're like, oh, that's how. Yeah. <laughs> that person and that person. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Those, those align. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so the, the final thing that I was kind of getting to with this is that, tr- uh, is that, um, need Trump's choice. And the thing about it is, is if you need somebody, you will never know, and they will never know whether you are truly choosing them or whether the need is the thing. And again, not a con, not a conscious thing. This is something that happens subconsciously. It's like all the time that there are needs in play, you will never know whether you actually choose this person or whether the needs are doing... I mean, your brain will have you convinced that you're choosing them. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Like, you'll be absolutely like, this is my... Pe- this is the one. It's like, okay. Um, and I want to I want to jump in with that. Your brain will. And especially in that situation, your heart's going to try and tell you yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. Too. Exactly. Exactly. Because we talk about feeling it from within. Like, when we're talking about within, we're not talking like brain over heart. We're talking brain over, like integral alignment guttural just instinct mm. energy heart soul the whole shebang kind of thing not one entity being like but i love him in my heart i love him in my brain do i actually want to be here well and the interesting thing is is that you can love somebody without being in love with them and being without wanting to choose being in relationship with them like you can still i mean i have i have love for a lot of people in my life I have a lot of love for a lot of people in life I don't speak with anymore. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, I don't really want you in my life. I still love you from a distance because I, lo- I appreciate who you are as a human being, but you're not somebody who's in alignment for me anymore. And therefore, it's funny, like this week, I remember um, I, well, I saw two quotes and um, uh, Serena, like, she happened to come over one of the day that I'd seen uh, 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 both of these quotes and they were actually on my Facebook feed in different positions. And one of them both, uh, one of them was, uh, oh, I'm really sorry. You met me during my people pleasing phase. Now, uh, now I burn the, burn the boats, like watch out or something. I can't remember exactly what the phrase was. Now I energy. burn bridges freely or something. It was like boats. That. It was burning. Oh, was it burn? Oh, it might've been bridges. It bridges. Yeah, it was yeah. bridges. Yeah. Now I burn bridges, watch out kind of thing. Um, and then the second one I saw was burning bridges takes too much time. Now I use explosives. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, there are some, which is like, you know what? This just needs to be done. Like it, this, I need to cut this because this is not good for me. 
but so often the people pleasing tendencies because we're so pulled by what they want and what they need will prevent us from doing those things so what we want to do is we want to get to this point where we can be in a place where as serena said like from that from these in this dynamic the person who's got the cup of water i.e the way of meeting needs is never going to know whether you truly love them whether you desire them and when i say desire like desire being in friendship with them like do you want to be with them do you want to be in relationship with them do you want to be in an intimate relationship with them or choose them all the time that that water is in play. And all the time that your needs are unmet, that water is in play. And what you're saying is, I'm, and in that situation, it's like, oh, actually, I'm not gonna take, you You drink the water. Like, you look thirsty, you drink the water. I don't have to have any water right now. And that person's like, well, okay, I'm thirsty, I'll drink the water. But then also, if they don't know their value, it's like, well, shit, I've got nothing there to bargain with now. Like, you know what I mean? There's so many layers of nuance to these situations. And it's so important that we recognize that the most important thing to start shifting people-pleasing behaviors. Firstly, look at your own needs. How are you consistently, how are you meeting your needs? Are you meeting your needs? Create consistency, create a practice around meeting your own needs and taking care of yourself first and foremost. Secondly, value need. Sorry, I've been drinking kombucha a little bit. Come up there. I was like, I'm like, I'm just going to hold that back for a second while I then get on to number two. So number two is specifically pay attention to your value needs. Specifically take, pay, pay a little extra attention. Like where are you cultivating your value need? How are you cultivating your value need? And then the third thing is to, when you're, when you're in that, that place where you've got those needs met, then you want to start as Serena's, one of Serena's favorite things to say, Boundaries, boundaries, boundaries. That's the one, is that you can start creating the boundaries. And the boundaries, remember, boundaries are not these blockades. They're not barriers. They are letting somebody know what is and is not okay. So where we've put everybody else first, all we're going to do is let them know that that's not okay anymore, but this is okay. Like, are you on, Are you in alignment with that? Could, could, we, could we do this? Would this work? Because this is what's necessary for this to work for me. And that's when, Serena, as Serena said, like there'll be some people who be like, Nah, nah, it doesn't work for me. And it's like, okay, great. Apologies, but no. Oh my goodness. I just said it. That I like it. from the sorry, not sorry episode, the last one that we did. I actually, you know what? I appreciate who you are as a human being, but this doesn't work for me anymore. So we need to go our own separate ways. Um, and then there'll be other people who'll be like, yeah, yeah, I can make that work. Yeah, sure. And those are the people that start to get closer and closer in your relationship orbits. And that's how you find your people who want to be with you because of who you are, not because of what you do for them. Yeah, whether you have the glass of water, if you don't have the glass of water, if you don't know what water is, <laughs> they want to be with you because you are you. Absolutely. Um, and I'm like, do you want to bring up the example that you were going to share in this one? Sure, because I think it's important, especially where... And it's a different, slightly different context to what we've been talking about before this point. Um, it really targets the identity aspect of people-pleasing mm -hmm. and how many of us have taken that on as an identity or, you know, refer to ourselves as people-pleasers. Mm -hmm. And... I've gotten to see both sides of the coin on this. And as I was saying earlier, I kind of touched upon this example. Um, when I used to interview, mm -hmm. I used to lead with, I'm a people pleaser. Like, what are your strengths? Well, I'm a people pleaser. It's something I remember coming up. And I went to a college that actually, like, 
part of their curriculum was um, capstone. And every single year you had to do it. And it was resume writing, interviewing. Like they taught you how to get into the real world. Mm -hmm. And I can't specifically remember whether this was um, a phrase that was kind of cultivated. taught. Or just... yeah. You want to be a people pleaser, which even saying it now, I'm like, ew. Um, but I would, I would, I would interview, and that it came up every time. What are your strengths? I'm a people pleaser. You know, what what do you think you can bring to this company? I'm a people pleaser. Like it seemed to be a focal point. It was the identity I had because for so many years that met my needs because I was compromising my needs to meet other people's needs who were then poorly meeting my needs. Mm -hmm. You see what happened there? Well, and the interesting thing is, is that that sometimes, I mean, I I had a very similar situation. I'm I'm gonna let you finish in just a second. I just wanted to jump in and say, I would often do the similar sort of thing where if someone asked me what my what my weaknesses were, like, it wasn't people pleasing, but I would like, I'd be like, oh, I'm a, I'm a perfectionist, or I'm an overachiever. He's like, well, this is a negative, but it's a negative that's really going to benefit your company. So probably something that you want to sign uh-huh. up for. So like, I could see myself at some point yeah. being like, oh, yeah, I'm a people pleaser. Because not because now we know that's not really a good thing. But it's something that people are gonna be like, oh, you're a people pleaser when you're on my team kind of thing, like if they haven't done their work. There was an explicit strategy of how to frame positives as negatives and vice versa. Mm-hmm. In that, like, like you said, oh, I'm right. I'm I'm a perfectionist. Well, yeah, I want a perfectionist on right. my team. Absolutely, but that's my weakness. Like, yes. no, you're not saying that because that's your weakness. Yeah, like, you're just wanting to answer the question so that there's not crickets. But you're gonna want to give me an answer that I'm still gonna want to hire you with. Exactly. Yeah. Which is all fine and dandy when you're on that side of the table. Well, and actually it's all fine and dandy when you're on the other side of the table if you haven't got a freaking clue about needs. That's true. That like, is very It will be true. perceived as a good thing if you're in that position. However, if you are an HR manager who is uh, part of the universal needs and have... Serena was for, a very, for <laughs> yes. quite some time. Um, I did a lot of interviewing. Mm-hmm. on the other side of the table as the interv- interviewer. Yeah. And I heard myself in so <laughs> many, many of these interviewees saying, oh, yeah, I'm a people pleaser. And every time I'd hear something, and it might have not been that specific grouping of words, but along, you know. Something similar. Yeah. Something similar, something framed that way. And I just kind of like cringe. And I'm like, ooh. So what you mean is you're going to like, and this was an internal dialogue with myself. It's like, although knowing how Serena operates, it was probably written all over her face. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The ill factor. I was probably like, I, I have to say there is not much I enjoyed about COVID, but getting to interview with masks on <laughs> was so helpful for me. And it's, like you can't see what my face is saying. I mean, there were so many times I'd even interview and I'd, I'd look at one of the managers and be like, "I'm so glad I was wearing a mask." <laughs> um, but so they, the internal diet, so the internal yeah. dialogue that would happen when you heard someone say that was what it like. Oh, oh, so you're not going to set boundaries, so you're going to let this person walk all over you. So like, and it was just all I could. I was like, oh my gosh, so many people are going to take advantage of that and you're gonna like it just and and I mean looking at it from a from a like corporate standpoint like if I heard that I'm just imagine if I was like interviewing somebody to come and work with us if someone said that to me I would be like okay so you're going to 
allow your boundaries. You're not, probably not going to set boundaries. You're going to allow your boundaries to be crossed. You're going to push yourself beyond your capacity, which means that you're probably going to end up either burnt out and not working in a productive way and an effective way, or you're going to end up sick or a combination of the two. Mm-hmm. Nothing of this is going to be good for our organization. So what I'm hearing is you're going to consistently not meet your own needs. And therefore, you're going to consistently not be able to support the needs of the team and the organization because you can't support those effectively if your needs are compromised. That's probably not going to be a uh, check for the let's let's call them back for another interview. I'm going no. to be honest. Um, but yeah, that I mean, it happens. It happens a lot. And, where, and this is the thing is that it can be seen as like, oh, good, you're going to put everybody else first because a lot of companies, that's what they want without realizing the cost to their customer service, mm-hmm. to their employee engagement, mm-hmm. to their bottom line, to their productivity, to their sales results, I mean, to their profitability. I mean, literally, when you start looking at it, it's like, this is going to cost your company. It is not gonna, like short term, you might get a short term little peak from it. Long term, this is not a strategy that's gonna support you. We were also talking about another example that I figure since we're we're doing examples, let's just do this shit. Um, We've talked about before Fantasy Fest and how I uh, usually end up making costumes for our groups of friends and how... Hold on, hold on, hold on. Don't usually end up making costumes. You normally offer to make costumes for our group of friends. Yeah. (laughs) That that sounded like everybody was like putting it on you and it was like, no, 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 this is something you like the costuming thing and you you offer it, right? Yes. And what I would do in years past is I would get myself worked up, stressed out, trying to make it perfect, trying to make sure everybody was happy and that they saw the value in what I was putting out. Didn't matter how much time I put into it, like was never good enough. It was usually down to the wire because I was trying to perfect every little thing and putting the opinions of all these people who were just happy that they didn't have to worry about a costume right. in reality. Yeah. But I was trying to please all of them, every single one of them. And it's a group of between 15 and 20 people. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of people to please. Not everybody is going to be pleased in the same way. Absolutely. But- and the chances of, especially from a costume standpoint, getting to a point where everybody is happy. I mean, that's unlikely. Yeah. And often I remember we actually had a conversation like where I was saying part of the issue here with the people pleasing was because Serena's value need was compromised. Mm-hmm. She wasn't recognizing the value in what she was doing. So she wasn't valuing it. So she needed these other people to value this costume in a certain way for her to feel valued. And I was like, hold on a second. These people have no concept of how much work goes into this. They have no concept of the amount of research, of the developing of the costumes, the creating of the costumes, the amount, I mean, the amount that our poor UPS local <laughs> has to deal with in terms of returns because of the the um, how, how good Serena wants these to be in terms of color matching and all the other things. And it's like, you need to recognize the value in what you are doing. You're doing all of the thinking. These people don't need to think about costume. They don't need to do the research on getting a costume. They don't need to make a costume. They don't need to buy a costume at, at what these costumes would be. If they were buying it, would be far higher than what you are actually charging them to do the costume. Like all of this is a moot point. You need to recognize the value in what you are doing. And if other people like it too, great, that's a bonus. 
but please do not kill yourself to try to prove your value in putting together these costumes because you're only recognizing it if other people recognize it too. This year has been such a change. So different. So different. Such a change. Um, It's August. Well, Well, for a start... One of the things that Serena would often do is that she would try to get everybody's buy-in for the costumes. Oh, yeah. What color do you want to be? Oh, like, oh, like I'm doing. Like, what do you think about doing this kind of thing? And now she's like, I'm doing this. If anybody mm-hmm. wants to join me, here's what it will cost. Here's what you will get. Here's when. I, here's here's how I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. That alone is a is a change. Well, I think even a step before that, it was realizing that my friends, who are my friends didn't give a fuck about (laughs) any of the shit that I was trying to please them with. Mm -hmm. They were happy with the fact they didn't have to think about it. They didn't have to buy it. Like this, Mm -hmm. the simple base values of me doing this and that we got to do something fun as a group. That's what they were in for. I could be like, we're going to be trash bags this year. Woohoo! Sign me up as long as mine's got sparkles on it. It's right. Like I feel like, (laughs) like it wasn't even the obligations or pressures they were putting on me I was doing it to myself and the funny thing is is that if you know Serena you would never be trash bags there would be like I'm like I, I don't know the only thing I can think of is like there would be a theme of it like oh, we're yeah. gonna be like Trashley Simpson or I was just um, like, about to say everybody's a different celebrity trash bag so well, yeah, whatever like, yeah like exactly like there would be a way <laughs> of, like you would never just be like if you know Serena <laughs> Serena would never be able to just do a trash bag because of how she that's her creativity that's how she operates it's the reason she loves doing these costumes because she gets to play and craft and do the things that she loves and share that with people that she that she loves as well like it's like bonus on bonus on bonus on bonus as long as she's not doing it in a way where she's putting her foundation function need at risk or at cost to try to get her value need met via these other people, where instead she can be like, okay, I'm going to take my foundation function need and make sure that it stays consistently met. I'm going to meet my value need for myself. If somebody else likes it, great. If somebody Mm -hmm. else doesn't like it, oh, well, this is what I told you we're getting. This is what I said it was cost. I delivered on what I said I was going to do. And if you want Mm -hmm. something else... Yeah, like Amazon.com. Like. Right. More power to you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. This year, oh my God. I did. I started out with, I had asked one person about it and we're Care Bears this year. And they were like, eh, Care Bears. And I'm like, oh, okay. You, one person. I was like, oh, you don't like, all right, I'm going to get back to the drawing board on it. And then I took a moment and another friend was like, oh, you should totally do Care Bears. I was like, right, that's a good idea. Like, it was a good idea. And I didn't need this person to tell me, but it was nice to hear, not going to lie, it was nice to hear that somebody else agreed it was a nice idea because sometimes I have ideas. She can be a little out there. Yeah, I'll throw (laughs) spaghetti on the wall and the wall spits the spaghetti back. It's like, no, (laughs) no, don't don't do that. We're not going there. (laughs) So there was a little bit of making sure it was something that I would have at least... Somebody, I don't want to, I'm, I'm not a dress up by myself type of person. Mm-hmm. Usually I, I like a little group. Yeah. So then I went to Claire and I was like, I'm thinking this. And, I was and like, her eyes lit up. And I'm yes! like, yes. Okay. But I, I, I was like, yes, and. Because <laughs> I was like. <laughs> yes, and a request. Yes, and a request. I'm like, if we're going to be Care Bears, please can we have light up tummies? Because so we can do the Care Bear stare. And Serena was like, well, now we have to have light up tummies. And I'm like. But the thing is, is that what ended up happening was Serena started organizing. Whereas previously it was done, maybe you'd normally start figuring it about about this time of year, actually. Like September. September. I think actually September. I would. It's August it was, right now. It's the beginning yeah. of August as we're recording this one. Yeah. 
And normally it would be like September that... And this is for the end of October. Yeah. So like maybe between four and eight weeks normally was when... With nothing going on, which was never the case. Absolutely. Um, And so this year, Serena started talking about this in what, February, March? Mm -hmm. Um, And what she did was she planned it so that she could stay consistent with her foundation function need throughout the process of doing the costumes because often these have been like last minute we've been i mean we've i've been i've been gluing ears onto baseball caps the night before we're due to be doing something mm-hmm. um so what she did was she she found a way of doing it that was going to be more supportive of her needs and more importantly it wasn't going to compromise her needs so that because quite often we would be up late the night before or something and still doing something the morning of, which means that we were actually quite tired by the time it came to the actual celebration. And a little stressed out. And a bit, yeah, and... and it's like, oh, oh, hold on. Now we get to do this where it's done in advance. Well, and I have, I think, 19 Care Bears. Of course, they all have to be different Care Bears. Can't be the same Care Bears. And in the past, I would have asked every person, which, which Care Bear, bear do you, you want to be? be? What color do you want to be? And then I would spin myself in circles trying to accommodate colors that don't exist on a normal color wheel because right. they're <laughs> fucking cartoon bears. Right. Like, and, oh, but this person wants this one and this person wants this one. And how do I choose? Is yeah. Like, so many things I did that just compromised my needs yeah. in the past that now to I'm like... To try to people please to everybody To try to people please everybody else. And now I'm like, all right, I have... 15 medium shirts. You're medium, you're medium, you're medium, you're medium. All right, these are the bears you are. Switch amongst yourself if you don't like your bear. Right. <laughs> I don't care at this point. And I sent out my message yesterday. All the costumes are done. Yay! All of them. And it didn't... This never happened. There was no stress. I mean, I did a lighted costume. Like, right. Normally, that would be an extra layer. And I'm like, no, I just did it as it came because I was doing it for myself finally. It wasn't the, I have to do it this way so these people are happy. It was like, I'm happy with this. And I remember actually asking about the uh, having to wash it because they're lit up. And I'm like trying to figure out how I can make the tummies detachable, but still like still durable and all this stuff. And then having a conversation with Claire because I was getting a little bit like in my head about it. She's like, if somebody needs to hand wash their shirt, they can do that. I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, I didn't tell you I was going to provide you a costume that was going to be like Washable. self-cleanable. Right. Like, <laughs> I'm going to have I'm going to have to figure. You know what? If you can figure that out, you make a freaking right? fortune. Like self-cleaning costumes. <laughs> well, and it's to the point, it's like, well, if I'm going to have to hand wash my shirt if I want to do it and I'm okay with that like this costume is this for is me this is what I'm doing and if you want on you want in in on this then great mm-hmm. um and it was like and I would like I, I, w- I went online and I, w- I found these like light up balloon things and I sent this to Serena I was like heart-shaped light up balloons and she was like yeah okay they're part of the costume now as well so like we it wasn't like everyone just goes oh Serena you do it like there is support and I like and Serena knows if she wants any help with that like she knows where I am and she knows I'm only too happy to well and in the past I used to think that I had to do it all myself Mm -hmm. kind of I'd had a small nugget including Claire of crafty people who were more than happy to but the, the big thing in our group is there's not a lot of people who liked and enjoy doing costuming and stuff. So I'd be like, I have to take it on all on my own. Like I have well, to do all of these things. And rather- also there was an element of value need in that. Yeah. Of like, look, look what I've I done all of this by I myself. Did it by myself. Oh, <laughs> 
Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. If, if there's going to be credit given, I'm taking all of it. Every right single right ounce hit. of it. Yeah. Like, give it give it to me. Not them. No, they didn't do anything. Like, And now I'm like, yes, they helped, they helped, they helped, they helped. Like, yeah. it was a group project. Absolutely. So, like, it's really just profound having been on the both sides of the people-pleasing coin and feeling I'm, how good it feels to be on the non... I was going to say, how much more enjoyable has the experience of doing the costumes been this year versus the others? It's not even comparable. Like, in all the ways that I would say... You know what it did? It made me realize exactly how I had been compromising the needs mm-hmm. in, my, in the past. In the ways, like, there were obvious ways that I was, that I knew I was foundation function. Like, yeah. oh, staying up till 2 to use the hot glue gun when you have to be up at 6. Eh, yeah. yeah, I knew that wasn't a good thing. But this sneaky love, personal yes. power, yeah. the little the acknowledgement needs, like, these little needs that are, like, like just kind of just kind of like the, the little niggle needs not ones that yes. were like detrimentally unmet at the time but just the ones that are like that, like, the, that mosquito and like yep and it's like oh oh i missed it, it damn and no, it yeah. makes me never want to go back to that that space yes and I'm i also know for, that. for those occasion for those occasions when it may happen and probably will happen again that i can stop in that moment take a step back and be like you know what? This isn't working for me. Right. And also, the, Serena knows she's got people who have her back, who mm-hmm. understand the needs, who can check in and be like, just checking in. Like, is this working for you? Like, it's it's that kind of gentle reminder, not a, Serena, you're doing it again, stop. Mm-hmm. But just a, asking the question to to invite her to check in with herself. Actually, is this working for me? Is this, Am I doing this in a way that is serving me? Because sometimes the answer is no. Like, Mm-hmm. Thank you for calling me on that. And sometimes it's like, actually, yeah, I've considered yeah. this and this, you know, I realize this is compromising this need, but it's meeting these ones. And and I'm going to take care of that when it's compromising in this way. So I'm um, like, it's not going to be at my detriment. Yeah, it's finally not without acknowledgement of the fact I have needs that they need to be met and that there are more than just one that probably needs to be met at the same time. Absolutely. Um, I kind of think that's it for today. Anything you want to add? Other than can't wait to be a Care Bear? <laughs> yes. You're going to get like a weird random, uh, I don't know, it'll probably be April. We're going to do a Care Bear episode. Oh, yeah. I'm loving that. <laughs> I don't know what it's going to be about, but. Watch this space. We'll find out. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> So I think that's it for our people-pleasing series. We hope that you find this helpful as, as kind of recovering people-pleasers ourselves. We know how important these things have been to us. So we really hope that you found these helpful and supportive of you too. And I'm actually going to jump in. I knew. I, can, I, I saw your it. mouth and I'm like, oh, she's coming back. If there's something that we haven't touched upon, if this yeah. series really is like, you're like, oh, but there's something more. I wish they talked about that. Let us know. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, with anything that we put out there, you're always – more than welcome to let us know, to give your input, suggestions, ideas. But especially the, with this one, this one came from our community. Mm. So, and I know that it's, we've barely, we. the problem with these episodes is we barely get to scratch the surface yeah. on so much. So please don't think, well, they've already done it. Like we'll have and, 40 different people pleasing series if that's <laughs> what the viewers want. And it's, and also don't think like, oh, well, my, my situation is very specific. So I'm not going to ask about that because it probably won't be relevant to other people. Trust me, it probably will be. Um, so you can put a needs lens on 
and and you'll just about anything and if you well you can put the needs lens on it for somebody specifically but normally when you put the needs lens on it that's when you find out it's actually relevant to way more people than you would ever imagine so um so do do write in do ask um contact us via social media via email however you want to get in touch um because we look forward to doing more of our Uh, more of these podcasts that are specifically in response to requests from you. So um, thank you for being here. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Uh, We are so excited to share with you our next episode. Um, But remember between now and then to take care, stay safe, and remember to keep meeting your own needs. Lots of love. Bye. Bye, friends. Well, everybody, Claire said this wasn't going to be a regular occurrence. And uh, (laughs) we're just going to call it. It's probably going to be a regular occurrence. (laughs) So again, we finished recording and I suddenly went, oh, there's something we should have included. Oh, that was sweet. Oh, oh shit. <laughs> I did say, oh, shit. Um, so the thing about it is, is the one of the challenges with putting other people first and putting yourself last is that also not only, not only have you taught them that you come last and not only have you taught yourself that you come last you have actually taught other people that it is also a good way of operating with relationship to relation to relationships and relation to needs so it's like if you have children for example and they're watching you do this they're gonna think oh that's what I'm meant to do too I'm gonna put myself last and I'm gonna put everybody else first so what actually happens is you're actually teaching other people how to compromise their needs and if somebody looks up to you as a peer or as a friend and they see you doing that they're like oh that's how I'm meant to do it as well. So not only are you teaching them that you come last, not only are you teaching yourself that you come last, you're teaching other people that it's okay to put themselves last too. And what this does is it has a da- is there's this danger of it kind of ripple affecting where you end up with a bunch of people who don't realize what it is to com- to um, to be mindful of other people's needs and how they do relationship. And you have a bunch of people who are consistently not just willing, but enthusiastically sacrificing their own needs to try to have relationship. So it's not just about you. I just thought it was, I was like, I was like, oh God, I was like, damn it. Like, this is something that actually is Don't really important. Don't forget about the kids. Don't forget about the kids. Well, <laughs> well and also about the friends, the friends and the other the people. Coworkers. Yes. It's funny because as we talk, I went through the program while I was working for another company and the person that I worked with directly, she would see the little changes and she was picking up on the meeting the needs aspect and kind of changing those dynamics within herself, such as people pleasing where and boundaries the, and boundaries. And there were times I'm like, I see what like, you did there. I don't even know if you know what you did there. Look at you meeting it. your needs. <laughs> I see that. So if, if you want to start to shift this dynamic, not just for yourself, but also for people who might be watching you and looking up to you without you even knowing it, mm-hmm. without you even realizing it. Maybe it's not children. Maybe it's nieces and nephews. I said, Serena, maybe it's, uh, Serena said it's, maybe it's coworkers. Maybe it's friends. Maybe it's not like people who are working. Sometimes we often look at the people underneath us and think, assume that like in a corporate hierarchy that, those who are maybe underneath us, maybe who are um, our, direct report, uh, our direct reports will look at us and go, oh, that's what we need to do in order to be successful in this company. Serena's talking about the person who was above her in the hierarchy. Mm-hmm. So this can work from all a whole bunch of different directions. Ultimately, it's about learning that sacrificing our needs is never a healthy strategy. And becoming self-first in the way that we meet our needs is going to shift that and turn it around. So 
as Serena said, this wasn't going to become a habit. It may become a habit now. <laughs> I think it already is. Yeah. Um, but this is like the third time. I feel like that's a yeah. Third yeah. time's a pattern. <laughs> yeah. We're at least in the pattern. So. Absolutely. <laughs> and I would say, I mean, I would say that um, I'm guessing that you would agree that this was an important thing to include. Uh, yes. I, it, there's never been a point where I'm like, well, that was a waste of a couple of minutes. <laughs> Good. I'm glad we're on the same page. Yeah. So, um, and uh, and I don't. I knew that this is a good thing to do, but I always like to check in with my partner to make sure we're on the same page. I don't need her to value it in order for me to value it, but it kind of it's kind of nice when we're on the same page, especially when this is our joint thing. So, yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Uh, take care of yourself. Stay safe, and remember, between now and next time, to continue to meet your own needs. Lots of love. Bye. Bye, friends. That's it for today. If you liked what you heard and would like to see some of Serena's awesome facial expressions, check out the video podcast via Patreon. And remember, when you're in a people-pleasing dynamic, depending which side you're on, you'll either be in selfish or selfless. If you're the person who is allowing somebody else to sacrifice their needs for the sake of yours, that's more in the selfish dynamic. If you're sacrificing your needs to try to meet the needs of others, that's selfless. Neither one of these is going to be a constructive and supportive way of meeting your needs or anybody else's. If you want to shift the people pleasing, then we suggest a shift to self first. Well, shit. It really is that simple. <laughs>